to the 28 Dales Later podcast with me, Natalie Wilson. Together with Steve Wharton and a few other guest presenters that we've got lined up, we'll be embarking on a journey around the north of England, celebrating its landscape, nature and heritage. I'm at the tiny train station at Dent in Howgills, just near Sedbury. It's the highest mainline station in England, situated at 1,150 feet above sea level. It's a beautiful location, there's snow on the hills, it's feeling pretty cold, and I'm here to meet David Burbage. David is the leader of Lakeland Voice, a vocal harmony group based in and around Sedbury and Kendall. Chatting to David, I learned that this is not just one organised choir. Rather, it is one of several vocal groups around the area, the purpose of which is to bring music to people and places, to create the opportunity to sing at any level of proficiency and to be able to dip in and out of events and even other groups. I also learn that Sedba is twinned with a town in Slovenia and that a fruitful and musical relationship has been nurtured between these two places. We must have forever sung. We have hymns, chants, historical ballads, love songs. For centuries, we've used song to express ourselves, to tell stories and to connect with others. Today, a handful of local singers have come together to honour their annual tradition of singing carols at Dent Station. It's a different kind of occasion this year, with masks and social distancing in place and singers remaining on the platform. But what a joy to behold. talk to one of the singers, Gemma, and ask her what drew her to this group. Uh, I really need to sing. It's really important somehow. There's been maybe seven years since when I've really felt the need, uh-huh. you know, to just express vocally. Brilliant. And I move around a lot, so I just literally Googled who the nearest choir was, and thankfully it was David. He makes a lot of the link between um, Sedbury and Slovenia, so we sing a lot of Slovenian songs, which okay. just feels really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds you don't often get to make in English. Yeah, so, um, and there's a whole network then around the country. Yeah, the Natural Voice Network um, has a lot of practitioners all over the place, and it's very much on the premise that everyone can sing, and the joy of singing, the, yeah. It's been wonderful to hear you all singing today. Uh, thanks for that. And I just wanted to know where this all began for you. Well, it, it all started... Um, uh, I did this walk from Land's End to John O'Groats. And after I'd finished walking there, I, I thought, where will I walk now? And I went, I went to Corsica, and I walked through the mountains in Corsica. And I came down to the top of the mountain, and there, sitting outside a, uh, a, a refuge, was uh, a choir singing these beautiful songs into the, the night sky with the moon rising over the mountains and... 
the stars and and I just thought this is so beautiful I want to do this myself uh, we sing in the valleys around here uh, around Sebra and, and Dentdale but also in the Lake District and we go and sing in big caverns like Rydal and Cathedral Cavern so uh, we do a lot but uh, also we started singing on the trains uh, a few years ago and um, uh, we sing on the Cecil Carlisle Railway and then at Christmas at this time of year we sing carols and usually we get on the train and sing for the passengers it's a lovely gift to the community. What a lovely thing to do. Well, I like to think so. It's it's participatory singing rather than performance singing. You know, it's something to join in with rather than necessarily something to listen. But uh, we have found that if people listen from a distance, it sounds very nice. <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> Even close up, it sounds fantastic, oh, I'm, I can tell I'm you. I'm sure it does, isn't it? I'd love to stay longer and even have a sing myself, but I'm on a mission today to find more of the highest points in the area and also to get my feet in some snow. Reluctantly, I leave the singers and make my way to the Cross Keys, the 400-year-old temperance inn that sits at the foot of Courtley Spout and the Howgills. Owned by the National Trust, the inn has been teetotal since 1902. Even today, if you'd like a tipple with your meal, you'll have to bring your own. Courtley Spout is the highest above-ground waterfall in England, with its cold, clear waters cascading 650 feet, nearly 200 metres down, and on into the River Rothay before joining the Loon. As the path starts winding more steeply upwards, it's a kind of stone pitch, so you can see that quite a lot of work has been done to it. And I imagine it is a heavily trodden path. There must have been an awful lot of erosion. Uh, Courtly Spout is so close to the road and to the cross keys and to parking um, that it must see a lot of footfall. It's just a section of path with quite a chunky layer of snow on it so I'm just treading into some deep footsteps that have already been made by other people and the snow's just starting to firm up a little bit just where it's been trodden just gone to slush and just a tiny bit of ice forming now I love snow. I really love it. It's my favourite weather type of all. Admittedly, in the UK, the idea is often better than the reality. Plump snowflakes falling thickly through the air soon become damp slush, sometimes even before they've hit the ground. On a colder day, though, the snow can fall as slivers of diamond and flecks of silver, reflecting light and dazzling with promise and magic, creating a stillness and depth to silence that you've never heard before. Other times, on a gale, hail lashes your face, stinging cheeks and eyeballs, obscuring your vision, leaving you breathless, battered and reeling. You must have heard of the linguistic legend that says the Inuit have 50 words for snow. 
Well, the Scots, believe it or not, have even more. 421 to be precise. That's according to a recent study by the University of Glasgow. In the mountaineering and meteorological world, there's a whole language related to snow and its many facets and processes. And these words make my heart sing. Sinter, saltation, sustrugi, stella, graupel, rhyme, cornice, slab, slough. And if you're into Scottish winter, the most magical three little words of all. Freeze-thaw cycles. I'm aiming for the calf today, the highest of the Howgills. It's winter up above Courtley Spout, out on the slopes near the top. So I'm just approaching the top of the calf and there's about seven or eight inches of good snow cover on these slopes with a crusty layer that's formed. So you have to kind of punch through um, to make your steps uphill. And it's really, really beautiful. Blue sky, sun shining. Fantastic snow and peace and quiet. I've got that feeling of exhilaration. I'm really glad I've come out. I was in two minds earlier. Uh, I was a little bit tired, a little bit cold, a little bit hungry. It was a little bit later in the day than I thought. I was going to save it for another day, but this was the day to pick. It's absolutely fantastic. Just what I was hoping for. I've made the last few quite icy steps to the summit of the calf. It's 676 metres, trig on the summit, it's beautiful. I've brought with me an edition, a copy of Walks on the Howgill Fells, um, the Alfred Wainwright book. And I just wanted to share with you his description of the Howgills. In appearance, the Howgill Fells are quite unlike the craggy mountains of Lakeland to the west or the rolling Yorkshire moors to the east. They're particularly distinctive. They are sleek and smooth, looking from a distance like velvet curtains in sunlight, like silken drapes at sunset. They are steep-sided but gently domed and beautiful in a way that few hilly areas are. Their soaring and sweeping lines are not interrupted by walls or fences above the intakes, giving a splendid upland expanse of free-range walking. The compactness of the group is emphasised by a remarkable concentration of summits, often likened to a huddle of squatting elephants, there being a score of different and distinct tops around 2,000 feet in the central area, I can't say I'd ever thought of the Howgills as a herd of squatting elephants before, but now the image is in my mind, I suspect it will remain. The book was published in 1972, just a couple of years after the M6 opened and the Howgills started to become more visible to people. Fifty years on, you can still go roaming here and see very few other people. Wainwright wrote that this was the place for the quiet, orderly visitor who enjoys hill country as nature fashioned it. The sun is setting, and reluctantly, I must drag myself away from the snow and the solitude. 
My sincere thanks go to David and the singers who kindly allowed me to record them and also lifted the spirits of many local folk today. We at 28 Dales Later wish you all a very happy festive season and good wishes for the new year. Thank you for listening to the 28 Dales Later podcast. You can also find our blogs and photographs on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash 28 Dales Later.